You know, uh, I'm starting a little series here, and this series will be kind of like the, you know, uh, basically we talked about the heart and protecting your heart and the different gates. So we've got that series going, and that one I'm going to be doing intermittently. Uh, we have another series as well, and this is basically how to be an end-time prayer warrior. How many of you realize that as Christians you're called soldiers? Amen. And how many of you realize as Christians that you're called to pray? Not just called, but commanded to pray. Amen. And we ought to be prayer warriors. If we recognize the power that is in prayer and how the power of prayer, God uses it to bring people to himself, to transform lives. Amen. To transform our lives. To uh, bring people that maybe you've witnessed to for long periods of time, but then you start, wit- you start praying with your witnessing and doors open, people's hearts change. It's just amazing how that works. And I want to talk about being an end-time prayer warrior based on the perfect prayer. What do you think I would be, what do you think we'd be calling the perfect prayer? The prayer that the Lord gave us to pray, amen? It's called the Lord's, called the Lord's Prayer, which isn't the best title because he never prayed that prayer. He couldn't pray that prayer because that prayer says, forgive us our what? Sins. He never sinned, so he would never pray that. Not that he didn't pray other aspects of that prayer, but he didn't pray that part, that's for sure. It's really the disciples' prayer, amen? Belongs to us, and he gave it to us. And the more I pray that prayer, and I've really realized it as things have been getting darker and darker as Jesus had prophesied, it started to really unfold to me how it relates to really hard times, and it relates especially to the end times. I believe it's a prayer for the ages, but I believe it's especially also a prayer for the end of the age. And I want to talk to you about Sometimes what will keep you from prayer is just your flesh, amen? You know, just fatigue, your, your, your sinful nature, uh, busyness of the world, distractions, uh, the enemy, you know, all kinds of things will keep us from prayer. But I love the Lord's prayer or the disciples' prayer because you know what? When the enemy says, oh, you're just too tired to pray, you're to fall asleep any second. It's easy to pray that prayer. It's so short. You could pray that prayer and 20 seconds or less and it covers so many things and I find myself praying that prayer admittedly at times and I'll doze off during it because sometimes I'll pray that prayer honestly for you know an hour and a half straight and I'm not talking about repeating it like the Roman Catholics do but I'll just because it's a model prayer you know I'll pray our father who art in heaven you know and hallowed be thy name and then I pray that his name would be hallowed then it's time to praise him you know that it'd be magnified and then I'll just Sometimes repeat the names of God and glorify Him or what have you. And it's just such a, a beautiful prayer. And sometimes I'll doze off during when I'm praying it, but I'll, you know, like, whoa, I'm not, I didn't get to the end, you know? And it might even be sometimes hours later, I'm like, man, I never got to the very end. Lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil, you know? And I'll pray that part and get into that. And, but it becomes such a joyful thing for me in the last years of my relationship with the Lord. That prayer has been so, it's so beautiful has become such an uh, integral part of my prayer life. That's, it's radically impacted my prayer life, that prayer that Jesus gave. And I want to encourage you to pray, and I want to work our way through that prayer a little bit at a time so we could just appreciate it for what it is and its fullness. And I don't believe you can plumb the depths of the beauty of the prayer because it's so relational to our Father in the context of all sorts of things that you will face. So you get different, you get better and better understanding of that prayer 
the longer you live, you know? It seems like such a short prayer, and it is, but it becomes a deeper and deeper prayer as you get older in the Lord, and it's just beautiful. And I, when I talk about prayer in the end times, prayer is going to be an integral key to you enduring the end times, okay? Whether things get darker, but the tribulation doesn't take place in our lifetimes, or whether we actually face tribulation that's very severe, or the great tribulation that Jesus warned his elect apostles about and gave them instructions regarding if it was to take place in their lifetimes. Prayer is a huge key to enduring to the end. Because prayer basically is your, your, your salvation began with a prayer, amen? At least when you first got saved, the scriptures say, whoever what? Calls upon the name of the Lord shall be what? Saved. You weren't saved until you leaned or you put your trust, your faith into Jesus, amen, and cried out to the Lord God for salvation. And that was a prayer, that's a prayer that he answered. For each and every one of you that cried out to him, sincerely from the heart, he answered that prayer with your salvation. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I love another part where Jesus said in John six thirty seven, whoever comes to me, I will not, what? I will not cast away. Such a beautiful promise, amen? You don't have to wonder if he loves you or not, if he'll accept you if you come to him. In fact, Paul said, as a chief of sinners, as a chief of sinners, and this is after he said it's a faithful saying that, that Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of which I am chief. And he said that God saved him as a chief of sinners, the worst sinner in the world, so that others can know in the future, that's you and me, that he'd accept anybody that would come to him. Amen? And that's because Jesus died for everyone's sins, amen? Didn't just die for the sins of the elect. 1 John 2, 2 says, he's a propitiation of the payment not only for our sins, the elect, but for the sins of the whole world. In that same book, 1 John chapter 5, he uses that same two Greek words that translate in the whole world. And says, we know that we are of God, the elect, we're of God, but the whole world is under the power of the evil one. So Jesus is only the propitiation for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world that's under the power of the evil one, all the lost people. Amen? He made provision for your salvation. He's an awesome God. He loves you. And if he loved you so much that he sent his only son to die for you, to save you, of course he's going to accept you, not only when you come to him and not cast you away, but he's also going to listen to your prayers. He longs to hear your prayers. Amen? So I want to encourage you, don't hesitate to seek him. Don't hesitate to pray to him, but also recognize that in the end times, it's going to be very easy to lose your focus on Jesus. We're supposed to keep our eyes fixed on the Lord, especially right now. And when you get your eyes on other things, that's when, like Peter, you begin to sink. And you begin to rely on your flesh and look to yourself. And guess what? Your hole just gets deeper and deeper and deeper. We need to rely on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That's vital. But I think it's very, very fascinating because part of this prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, amen. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The first part of the prayer is all about the Lord, and it should be. When you look at the Ten Commandments, the first four of the Ten Commandments are are vertical. They're God-honoring. They all honor God, but they're like specifically having no gods before him, amen, making no images of these false gods and so forth. And it's just like the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God, the whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. It all starts with God. It's all about him. It's not all about us. Amen? We orbit around him. And we have peace and joy when we are in the orbit of his sphere 
of influence and power. So when we do our own thing that we get in huge trouble and bring ourselves to ruination if we don't repent. So we pray for his kingdom to come. But you know how radically that relates to the end times? Do you know just before his kingdom comes, there's going to be an onslaught of evil that is going to be so wicked that Jesus said there'll be such tribulation on the earth that there will be nothing compared to it before or after. And that if Jesus didn't return, he says when he will return, no flesh would be saved. That's how horrific it will be. And at that time, it's important to be praying. And Jesus gave a parable in Luke chapter 18. And you don't have to go there, but in verse 1, it says he gave this parable teaching that men ought to always pray and not give up. There's an emphasis in that very first verse about continue to pray and not give up. He could have just said that people would continue to pray or that they wouldn't give up, but it says both. And it talks about this woman who continues to go to, to a judge to get some kind of security from a tyrant who is harassing her, who is abusing her, messing with her, bullying her, and she can get no relief. But she goes to this judge and he doesn't listen to her. And she goes back and he still doesn't listen to her. It says he didn't fear God or men. Worthless judge, right? But because of her persistence and continuing to go to him, guess what he does? She wears him down. Finally, I just got to deal with this situation. He deals with it. And he avenges, avenges her enemy. You know, Jesus said that's a picture of the end. He said, how much more will God avenge his elect? Right? And then he said, Will the Son of Man find faith on the earth when he returns? That's a warning that we need to make sure that we're in the faith because there will be a falling away. But guess what? That prayer, her persistent prayer, is answered at the Lord's return in regard to the meaning of that parable. Oh, of course it has, it has application to today. You know, Jesus talked about another parable and it was right after in Luke chapter 11. We read the, about the Lord's Prayer, the disciples' prayer. In two places, we read about it in Matthew 6 in, the, in a, the, the Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount. And we also read about it in Luke 11 at a totally different time. He gave it two different times. And when we see it in Luke 11, it's followed up by a man whose friend comes over late at night. It's like midnight or something. He's like, give me some, you know, give me something to eat. I'm, I'm hungry. And he goes, I'm asleep. My wife, the kids, everybody's asleep. What are you doing, man? He goes, Come on, man, open up. I've got somebody over. I've got to feed him, man. I need some, something to eat. Come on, open up. Finally, he opens up and he gives him some bread. And then Jesus' point there is how much more will your Father in heaven, who is gracious, and he doesn't sleep either, by the way, bless you if you keep coming. That's right after he told them to pray this prayer. And in both of those parables, the widow that goes to the judge and the man who goes to his friend are to teach us how we're supposed to be persistent in our prayers and not just give up. But also, they teach us that our God is far more gracious than the people that answered those requests. Amen? Because he is good. And Jesus said to his own disciples, you being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children. They ask for, you know, a, a fish or a piece of bread. You don't give them a stone or a scorpion, right? And he said, how much more will your Father in heaven answer your prayers, give you good gifts. In one place, when Jesus says it, he says, I give you the Holy Spirit. Amen? Because he wants to strengthen us so we can live godly lives. He wants to live in us in a big way. He wants us to cry out for more of him. Amen? What a beautiful God we have. 
So we have this amazing God who wants us to have fellowship with him, relationship with him, and communication with him. Some of our sweetest times as believers is what? Breaking bread together, amen? Fellowshipping with one another, amen? Getting the word together, sharing a meal like which we just did. Beautiful, beautiful. You know, Jesus said to the church at Laodicea, who basically kicked him out of his own church, he knocked, said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone opens up, I'll come in and sup with him and he with me. He uses that language, but he longs to have fellowship with us. But they got their eyes on all kinds of material things and their eyes off of what really mattered in life, which is relationship with God. Amen? Like the church at Ephesus, another church he addresses in Revelation, they left their first love. We have to make sure we understand that ultimately the Christian walk is all about a relationship with God through the person, Lord Jesus Christ, and knowing Jesus. Amen? And growing in him and growing in the knowledge of who he is and growing in intimacy by applying that knowledge to our daily lives, amen? All this is so vital. It's so important in regard to our walks with God. Now, it's very interesting because when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, guess what we're ultimately praying? For Jesus Christ to return. In fact, in the book of Revelation, there's a prayer by the Apostle John near the very end of the book, even so come, Lord Jesus, a prayer that he comes. But you know, all these prayers that you've prayed, every time you've prayed, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, that prayer along with hundreds of millions of other times that prayer has been prayed will be offered up to the Lord when you read in Revelation chapter 6. In Revelation chapter 6, right before the sixth seal is open, they cry out to God and say, how long, O God, until you avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Because in Revelation chapter 6, you have the four horsemen of the apocalypse, you know. You have the, you know, these radical things take place, the red horse, you know the ashen horse, these horses that represent sickness and death and and famine and these kinds of things, amen? And havoc is being wreaked and the wicked are prospering, God's judgments are coming, but they cry out, how long until you avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? They're praying. And the very next seal is the sixth seal, which shows you a picture of the end. Boom, this is what it's gonna look like, Armageddon, when that prayer is answered. Then you go to Revelation chapter seven and you have the Jews sealed by God, the 144,000 Jews. They're not Jehovah's Witnesses. It doesn't say 144,000 Jehovah's Witnesses. It says 144,000 Jews are sealed by God, each from 12,000 from each tribe, a remnant, amen, protected from the trumpet judgments that will be blown. God will protect them. God is not done with Israel. God loves Israel, okay? He's working with that nation. And uh, those who teach, you know, uh, replacement theology that the church has replaced Israel and God's done with Israel, that's a serious false doctrine, okay? God's still working with Israel and Romans chapter 11 says all Israel will be saved when the Messiah comes because they'll be crying out at a point of desperation. Blesses who comes in the name of the Lord and then they'll see their deliverer, the Messiah. But they'll say, wow, it's Jesus. They'll see the one who's pierced, right? It's all part of God's plan. But during, but guess what? They're going to be crying out. Guess what? They're, what are they crying? Out, a prayer. Blesses who comes in the name of the Lord, amen? They're praying and that prayer is answered. Now that's interesting. You talk about, you know, when did you get saved? What's your testimony? Well, I was in the wilderness, man, being protected, you know. It's in Revelation 12. It talks about us, you know, being protected by God. And I was crying out to God with my people, you know. Blessed is who comes in the Lord because the Antichrist was trying to destroy us. And then all of a sudden, you know, Jesus came through the sky and every eye saw him. Amen. 
And then we, we saw him whom we had pierced and we repented and he opened up a fountain of cleansing to us, Zechariah 12 and 13 in the Old Testament. Beautiful. Can you imagine that's your tes- testimony people have? You know, we have testimonies when we cried out to Jesus and he delivered us, amen, saved us, amen. That's going to be, they're all dramatic because whenever he changes his life, that's dramatic, amen. But that's going to be some people's testimony. But it's an, again, it's an answer to prayer. And guess what else is an answer to prayer? When you get your final salvation. Because right now, we have been saved. We're saved by grace through faith, amen. You're saved right now. If you died right now, you have the assurance of salvation. If you are trusting in Jesus, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. First John chapter 5, verse 12 and 13. He who has the Son has the life. He who does not have the Son does not have the life. These things are written that you may know that you have eternal life, amen. He wants you to know it. You have it. You have it through faith. But the Bible talks about how we have been saved, but more often than speaking, using the word saved in the past tense, it uses it in the present and the future tense. Over and over again in the Greek, it talks about how we're being saved, amen? God's continuing to deliver us from the power of sin through sanctification, amen? We're saved from the penalty of sin, but now we're being saved from the presence of sin, amen? Our final salvation is when Jesus Christ returns and we're caught to meet him in the air and we get these incorruptible, imperishable, amen? eternal, immortal bodies, amen? And we're resurrected to glory. It's called glorification. It's our final salvation, the final aspect of our salvation when we become like him. Right now, we still await the redemption of our bodies, amen? So it's interesting, brothers and sisters in Christ who are still here, who have not died and gone to heaven, those who stay alive and remain until he comes and are playing like John, even some called Lord Jesus, guess what? Even though they've experienced their past salvation, and they're saved, they'll experience the culmination of their salvation and glorification when he returns. So I think that's fascinating too. And that'll be the culmination of our prayers as well because guess what? We're praying, Lord Jesus, come as well, amen? And whether we're in heaven saying, how long until you avenge our blood? Or we're on the earth watching him come to avenge the blood against the wicked. And he comes back, guess what? Either way, we're experiencing an answer to our prayer of final salvation. Powerful. But you know what's really amazing too? Is when you go through Revelation... Before the seven trumpets start blowing, after the 144,000 are sealed, amen, and there's this great multitude that no man can number from every nation, people, and tongue that don't need to be sealed to be protected. Why? Because they've been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb, amen. If you're a Christian, we're already sealed by the Holy Spirit, amen, and we're not appointed to wrath. We're protected. And guess what's going to happen? Revelation 8, when it begins, guess what you see in the first few verses? You see coals, or incense put on the altar, burning before God, which are the prayers of the saints. All of your, our fathers who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. All the prayers of the ages have been praying for him to bring his kingdom. These prayers go up before God. And guess what happens? The trumpet judgments start blowing. And then guess what happens when the seventh trumpet blows, which is another picture of the end, Armageddon. It says the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdom of Christ. Amen? And thy wrath has come. He was and is. No longer who was and is and is to come. It's just in the Greek, who was and is, because he comes right there to reward his saints. I mentioned this verse in a recent message. It's a passage. It's powerful. It's a picture of the end. His kingdom comes. The kingdom of this world, it says, become the kingdom of Christ. So what happens? All the evil that's happening, all the injustice we see all around the world, man's heart isn't changing, is it? The history of humanity is just so bloody and so sad and so ugly. And it's just, but that's why we pray, thy kingdom come. I know, I, 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 I tell my wife, 
She's heard it to me from me too many times. She'll be watching the news, you know, <laughs> and uh, she'll be pulling her hair out. I can't believe how bad it's getting. It's just so sad. Why don't, why doesn't somebody do something? And, you know, you hear that and I can relate to her totally. But I say, baby, pray thy kingdom come, you know. Doesn't mean we don't get involved in, in the world and we don't, uh, we're not active and we're not salt and we're not light. We, if you look at our ministry and our videos and, and our outreaches and so forth, we're very much seeking to be salt and light, amen. And by the grace of God, we've been able to influence, by the grace of God, this little fellowship, we've been able to touch millions of people. Millions of people have seen our videos and many, many people have been saved and we're constantly getting praise reports because a lot of you guys are getting out the truth and helping us out and we're a team. It's just a beautiful thing. Now, it's very, very important that we understand that when that, those prayers are taking place, they relate to the end times and the Lord unfolding his, his wrath during the end, which precipitates the second coming of Christ. And you could go through Revelation and see the prayers and how they're connected to how God works in the world. And it says that God's judgments come that the nations may learn righteousness so that there'll be some that will turn to him he wills that all would turn, but not everybody will. So your prayers, your prayers, you guys, they're not just for the immediate, you know. When we pray our Father who art in heaven, God doesn't want you to just think of what you're going through at the moment. He wants you to think of the big picture. Amen? He wants you to be a big picture person. Because if you get on, if you're a small picture person, you just look at what's right in front of you, you're going to have a lot of anxiety. You're going to have a lot of depression. You know, if you can only see the thick clouds right in front of you, but you can't see that there's sunshine behind those clouds and that those clouds will, will, will dissipate in time. Or when, it, when it's Sunday and it's supposed to be 111, 112 degrees out here and you're just, oh, I'm going to die and just give up in the heat, you know. Say you're going for a hike. I'm one that's sometimes silly enough to go out and hike that, time, that kind of temperature. But uh, we are having church, by the way. Uh, and we're, we, we're thinking about changing the time, but we're probably going to do it at the same time. And I'm still going to preach my message. We'll do an hour and a half. It'll be a 15-minute shorter message. We'll cut off 15 minutes. We'll have some canopies up if you want to make it. But guess what? If you're like, man, that's way. The heat's brutal. I totally understand. I want to get sunstroke. But I don't know how hot it's going to get by, you know, 945. 830, 930, 945. We'll be done. Uh, oh, wait, I'm sorry. Time's church starting lately. <laughs> We've been changing everything around over and over again. No, it's, uh, what's it, 9? Yeah. So we'll get done at 10.45. So we'll be done at 10.30, 9 to 10.30. Uh, so because we want to keep our live stream audience on target. We've got a nice live stream audience. And, and you can watch it with a live stream in me or wherever you live because people are from different places in different towns. Uh, different people come from different places right here in this assembly. That's awesome. But we will be there. You know, we're still going to do it. So, uh, But you have to see the big picture. So when Jesus said, pray our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be, he's praying He's telling you to pray for his kingdom to come. Uh, he told that, tell that prayer, say that prayer 2,000 years ago. Okay, we're still waiting for his kingdom to come. And ultimately, within the kingdom, kingdom does not come without the king. Amen. He's king over the church. The Bible says we have been translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. We're in the kingdom. If you're a believer, you're trusting Jesus, you're part of the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom is that sphere of influence and power and authority and dominion at that spiritual organism uh, presently that he rules over that's the church but the kingdom will become far broader than the church because it will become physical and he will rule with a rod of iron at his second coming amen that's when we have the consummation 
uh, of, of the prophecies that bring the inauguration of his millennial kingdom, the thousand-year reign of Christ. So we pray for that. So he wants you to be a big-picture person that's caught up in his will for your life and what he's doing to get your focus off of what you're about and building your own little kingdom, which will always come crumbling down if it's not based on his kingdom. Amen? So it's important that you understand this prayer is so has so many profound aspects to it that should influence our lives. But it's very, very practical as well. Give us this day our daily bread. Amen. So he wants you to deal with the small picture too and meet our needs. And praise God. Thank him for, thank the Lord for the hamburgers, right? And the bratwurst and the tri-tip and all that. Amen. And thank you guys who ever brought dessert. I got one of those brownies. That was pretty good. I think I got one and a half because there were a couple that were smushed together. I tried to break it off, but so I gave up. I said, okay, it's not falling apart. <laughs> but it's interesting. I, I need to go, you know why? Because I did one of those things where I scribbled up here which I did last Sunday, and I never got to hear until later, and I'm still up here. So, uh, but we're going to get through what I want to talk, more about what I want to talk about, because I did say some things that were on my heart already, but this is a perfect prayer, guys. This is a perfect prayer. It's a perfect prayer because the Lord is perfect, and he gave it to us, amen? Number two, it's a perfect prayer because it covers every vital and important area of life. It's, it's a holistic prayer. It covers everything. Number three, it's a perfect prayer because if you pray this prayer, you're praying in perfect accordance with God's will for your life. Is that amazing? I mean, I want to know when I pray that I'm praying in accordance with God's will. I'm not praying some prayer where he's like shaking his head. No, Joe, that's way off. Can't answer that. I'm just wasting my breath. Amen. So I think it's important that we understand that we're praying in accordance with his perfect will. And isn't it nice to know that you can have the confidence when you pray this prayer that you know God hears you, amen? If your heart's right with the Lord and you're not in rebellion to him, you come in, you're coming to him in faith and you're saying, our Father who art in heaven, you're praying the very words he asked you to pray. So you can know that you're praying in accordance with his will and you can have the great confidence, the, the great assurance. Because a lot of times people say, well, I don't know if he's hearing my prayers. Well, pray our Father who art in heaven, you know? And pray in accordance with that model prayer. And you can know that he hears your prayers. Because 1 John 5.14 says, This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Isn't that awesome? And it's also awesome to know that he just doesn't hear you. But it's awesome to know that when you're praying according to his will, he also answers you. Amen? The very next verse, 1 John 5, 15, says this. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that what we know that we have while we asked of him. Isn't that awesome? Guess what? I know when I pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, that his name is going to become hallowed. It's, gonna, it's going to be uh, adorned as holy. It's going to be lifted up as holy by me because I'm praying that I would hallow his name that I would show that his name is hallowed. I know that when I pray, his kingdom would come and his will would be done. I know that's going to happen. But prayer isn't about bending God's arm to do our will. It's about bending our hearts to be aligned with his will. Amen? And it's important that we get that. And I know if I pray, give us this day our daily bread. I know he's going to meet our needs according to his riches and glory. He's promised that. I know if I pray, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. He's going to forgive my sins. He died 
God sent his son to die for our sins so he could forgive us, amen? That's his heart. I know if I pray, lead us not in temptation, he's going to not lead me into temptation, but he's going to deliver me from evil as I pray that as well. So what an awesome God we have. In fact, it's interesting. In Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 12, we read, like any, uh, that, and I love this because it says, then you call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. Jesus in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7, said, ask and you shall what? Receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened unto you. I love that. Jesus is not suggesting we pray. He's not recommending that we pray. He's commanding us to pray. This is how we're to relate to him. And I think it's amazing that prayer goes on to say, or Jesus goes on to say, for everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened. That's awesome. And by the way, those are present tense imperatives. I should say each of those is uh, in the present tense. So it's ask and keep asking in the Greek. Seek and keep seeking. Knock and keep knocking. Somebody says, well, I asked the Lord and it just didn't happen. What, did you keep asking him? Okay. Well, yeah. Well, maybe not. I should, huh? Or, yeah, I did. Well, you kept asking. Well, guess what? He always answers in one way or another. It's either yes, no, or wait. And the good thing about that is he has our best interest in mind and his glory in mind. Amen. So whatever his answer is, is good for us as we continue to seek him in faith. Now, there's an interesting statement about prayer in James chapter 4, verse 2, which I like a lot. It says, you desire and you do not have, so you murder. That's how the world is. You covet and you cannot obtain, so you, fi- you fight and quarrel. That's why a lot of people fight and quarrel, because they want something that they shouldn't be wanting often, right? And then he goes, you do not have, listen to this, you do not have because you do not what? You do not ask. And I, that just blows me away. That shows me a lot of times people go without simply because they do not ask the Lord. I mean, God wants us to have a relationship with him, right? He's very, very interested that we have a relationship with him. And he, if he just met all our needs, at a, you know, just with ease, without us, and it just all, everything just fell from the sky. You woke up and just happened automatically. And many things are that way because of his providence, amen? But I'm talking about on a personal level. You're going through things. You need his help, what have you. And you never sought him it would be adverse to us knowing him if everything was just automatic. We wouldn't cry out to him, would we? We wouldn't seek his face if it was just also automatic. So he wants us to learn to communicate with him. And, and he says, you have not because you ask not. And I think it's very, very important that we recognize that he has an open door policy with us, man. We're his children, you know. He's our father if you've come to him through faith, Amen. You've been cleansed of your sins. If you've been born again, you're part of the kingdom of God. If you've accepted the Lord, you know, we're part of, he, we're, you know, there was a picture that people tripped out on years ago when President Kennedy was uh, prior, obviously, to his assassination, and it showed a picture of him with his little kids were in his office in the White House playing on the ground, and people were blown away that, well, here's the President of the United States, and his kids have that kind of access to him. Well, you know what's even more of a blow mine? that we have access to the creator of all things, amen? That he not only invites us, he calls us to come to come to him so he can bless us, amen? I mean, there's a lot of people that request the president today. There's special interest groups that want to bend his ear and want favors. There's, you know, uh, 
diplomats that want favors. There's countries that want favors. And he's done a lot of things. There's been prison reform. There's been prisoners that have been pardoned. There's been all kinds of things that have happened. There's been tax relief. And, you know, basically you get back some of the money that you gave, okay, some of your money. Kind of funny how that works. We're like, oh, what a gift. Well, that's your money, buddy, you know. <laughs> you just got some of it back, you know. But, and, and you know, those things can be great. And those, a lot of those things are great, right? But guess what? We have a God that's far more powerful than the leader of this country on this speck of dust that orbits the sun. It's a speck of dust compared to the rest of the universe, right? We have the creator of the entire universe who's not only our creator but the lover of our souls who gave himself for us. And the name of this, the name of this message right now, the sub, basically the m- name of this message is, this is the perfect prayer, the Father's petition. The Father's petition. We think of prayer as our petition, but I'm calling this the Father's petition because the Father is petitioning us to pray. Jesus said the words he speaks, he speaks the words that were given to him by the Father. And Jesus is the one who told us to pray, our Father. Amen? He didn't just petition. He didn't just suggest. He commanded us to pray, talk to your Father, our Father who art in heaven. God's petitioning you to petition him. Can you imagine if you got a call? Tomorrow, 8.30 in the morning, hey, the phone's for you. Who is it? Oh, it's, it's President Trump. He wants to talk to you. And then President Trump says, hey, I want you to just call the White House whenever you want and tell me what you need. Can you imagine that? Well, far better than that, man, is the Lord God says, call the heavenly house, amen? Call me, talk to me, amen? And he has, uh, do you think he has a little more power than Trump or way more power, infinitely more power? All power in heaven and earth is given unto me, said the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's interesting because the door is always open and we bear a lot of unnecessary pain. We do. We do. Come on, guys. We bear unnecessary pain because we don't cry out to the Lord in prayer. And so many problems could be resolved by praying. And too many people use prayer as their last resort instead of their first solution. And prayer should not be your last resort, guys. Don't wait till, you know, your marriage is practically gone before you start praying. You know, don't wait till your kids are just, you know, in total rebellion to start praying. Don't wait until your finances are just about, you know, you're you're in such debt you can't seem to get out of it before you start praying. You know? Don't wait until your relationships with your friends are brothers and sisters are on the rocks to such an extent that you finally start praying. I mean, start praying whenever you have an opportunity to, amen? But let's make sure we're praying about all these things now and that we're watchful in a prayer, that we're hearing from the Lord, that we're open to whatever the Lord has to say to us because you can be spared a whole lot of pain if you just become a person of prayer. One of my favorite songs, uh, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, amen? What a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege it is to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. I love songs that are just filled with truth. And this, that song, and that song's got a, just a beautiful, beautiful melody as well. But that's important stuff, you guys. That's very, very important. And, um, some of you are, don't have victory right now. You're struggling, you know. Perhaps you're struggling with uh, sexuality. 
Perhaps you uh, are ge- getting caught up in sin right now and you're looking at pornography or something, which is absolutely destructive. By the way, we've given you tools. We have a website uh, that I developed years ago to fight pornography. So we also have a video we did called the Kinsey Syndrome. And I did that with uh, Chris Pino years ago. And by the way, uh, since it's been brought up a couple times lately, it's been pointed out recently uh, that Ted Bear, the movie critic, Ted Bear called the Kinsey Syndrome, which we did, I think, 2011 or so. What was it? What year? 2008. He called it the most important documentary done in the 21st century. No kidding. He reviews thousands of movies. He called it the most important documentary of the 21st century because we show the sexual revolution and the Crowleyan ass, all the satanic stuff behind it and how it's just devastated our country. In fact, just now, just in the last couple of days ago, SB 145 passed by a member who, a senator who dresses in, you know, on, with all the gay parade stuff. And that senator is a member of, that, of, a, of a caucus that pushes that stuff, uh, led a charge to make it so you can have sex with a minor if you're 24 and she's 15 and it's not, you won't be listed as a criminal sex offender now in California. Okay, but we've shown way back to Kinsey and how these laws were being eroded and how they're after our boys and they're after our girls and they're after, they want total lawlessness and erasing, just erasing, uh, you know, gender distinction and also age of consent. And we show, we show that Kinsey was working with pedophiles and they were keeping sex diaries from him. And that's how he came with, up with a lot of his stats who were molesting kids and keeping records of it with a stopwatch of what happened as young as five months old. I mean, it's hard to watch, but it's reality that people need to be aware of. So we do get involved in being radical salt and radical light, but we don't get our eyes off of the, the king and his ultimate plan, amen? And how we need to be ambassadors here and say this is sin and the Holy Spirit would convict the world of sin and of righteousness of judgment. But we just did, and I mentioned that because we just did a four-part series on sex trafficking. And that's, it's, it's big in California, guys. And it's, a, it's strong around our country. And we did a four-part video series. So when does that first one air, guys? Friday. So go to the Good Fight website if you want, or Good Fight YouTube site or what have you, and watch that. Leave some you know, comments or what have you. Uh, share it with other people. Amen. I mean, really, be, be an activist for Jesus and make people aware of what's going on because people need to know. But guess what? One of the things we point out in that series is that if you're a man or a woman, we get into how many women are getting into porn. One of the statistics we share is that when there was a march, a women's, uh, you know, feminist march with hundreds of thousands of women marching a, a, a certain porn site that's very popular, they all of a sudden lost a lot of viewers because all those women were out on the streets. No kidding. I mean, last, what was it? Hundreds of thousands of viewers. Two million, they estimated. What in the world is going on with our country, guys? This is a problem with a lot of people. And we need to make sure as Christians that we walk our talk, that we put on the full armor of God, amen? That we, we're people of prayer. And, and that the Bible says in Psalm 103, the psalmist says, I will set no evil thing before my eyes. And today, with the internet and with, with the iPhones, there's so much smut that's just at your fingertips. And in our flesh, we're weak. So we need to make sure we're people of prayer so we can have victory, amen? In fact, you know what Jesus said to Peter in Matthew chapter 26, verse 41, and the other disciples? 
He said, watch and pray so that you do not enter into temptation. Amen? So prayer keeps you from falling into temptation. Did they pray? Were they praying? No, they were what? The Garden of Gethsemane, that's right, they were sleeping. And what happened when they were tempted to deny the Lord? What did they do? They stand up boldly for Jesus? No. They had their confidence in their flesh. They thought, oh, remember, Peter was like, they may all deny you, but I never will just before that. His confidence was in his flesh. Paul said, I put no confidence in the flesh. Paul says, there's nothing good that dwells within me. That is my flesh. Don't put your confidence in yourself. You fall on your face every, every time because you don't have enough strength to walk a holy and perfect and righteous life. Only God is perfect, amen? But, and Jesus said, apart from me, you could do what? Nothing. But he says, but Paul said, through him we could do what? All things. Amen. Everything. Everything he calls us to. And we need to rely on him. But through him, that means you're relying on him in prayer. That means you're saying, God, give me strength. Give me power. Help me, give me victory over this. Now, when we ask anything in accordance with his will, we what? Have it. And by the way, the Lord's prayer covers. Lead us not in temptation. Deliver us from evil. There it is, right? You know? And sin is the most important battle that God wants you to have victory over. And he's giving you the victory ultimately through faith in Christ and the forgiveness of your sins. But now he wants you to have that practically in your walk with him so you continue in the faith, continue to trust him, and that you don't shipwreck your faith, as Paul warned. Or become a castaway, as Paul said. Paul said, I beat my body down so after I preach the gospel to others that I myself would not be a dachamas. And you look at the way he uses that word, a dachamas, elsewhere in Corinthians and in his writings, it's ugly. It means to be without Christ. Paul said, test yourselves to see whether you're, not, you're in the faith or not. Christ is, is lived in you unless you are a dachamas. But he said, I beat my body down, so after I preached to others, I myself would not become a dachamas. Now, it's interesting. And that's translated, fail the test, disqualified, cast away, as King James says. And so we need to take this seriously. And we need to fight against sin. And the Bible talks about how we are to have victory or to rage war against the sins that war against the soul, 1 Peter chapter 2. It's a spiritual war. And there is a war that is within, okay? And we need to have victory over the world, the flesh, and the devil. In fact, Paul talks about this war. And in Galatians chapter 5, listen to this, verses 16 through 24. You can go there if you want. Chapter 5, verse 16 through 24. Paul says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. So you're going to carry out the desires of the flesh if you're not walking by the Spirit. The Bible says, as many are led by the Spirit, these are the children of God, Romans 8, 14. But I say, walk by the Spirit, you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. So we all have flesh, and we all have evil desire. It's our flesh. But you have to walk by the power of the Holy Spirit. God, the Holy Spirit is God. There's Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. For the flesh, Paul says, sets its desire against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another, so that you may not do the things that you please. So guess what, man? If you're just walking in the flesh, you're not going to be able to have victory. But he says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, 
goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Now listen what he says. Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Those who belong to the Lord Jesus Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. What does he mean by that? That means if you become a Christian, you've crucified your flesh with its passions and desires. When did that happen? When you first became a Christian. When you first really turned to Jesus in repentant faith and became a genuine disciple and follower of Christ. What do you mean? How did that happen, Joe? Because Jesus said in Luke 9, 23, nobody can be my disciple unless he does what? Takes up his cross, right? Unless he denies himself daily, right? Takes up his cross and follows me. So when you first became a Christian, you said no to self. You denied yourself. Those passion desires you had to live in rebellion to God and do your own thing, you said no more. I'm done with the broad road that leads to destruction. I'm taking the narrow road, the life that's in Christ that he told me to take. And you take up your cross. That cross was such a radical symbol back then. When Jesus said that, that was super gnarly. It's gnarly now, but back then, guess what? Back then you look at that, you're like, take up your cross. When they see crosses on the roadside, they see people that were crucified by the Romans, you know? And the Romans wouldn't crucify their own citizens. That's how nasty crucifixion was. And we've studied crucifixion a number of times in this fellowship. It's nasty, man. But what you're saying, I'm putting self, my old man, the old Joe, who, before, who I was before Christ when I was in rebellion to God. That guy went on the cross, man. Oh, he'd love to get up. Every day he wants to knock and say, Joe, let me, let me live again. Nope, stay down, man. You're dead. Consider the old man dead, the Bible says. You deny yourself, you take up your cross, and you follow Jesus. What does it mean to deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow Jesus? It's very simple. Not my will be done. Jesus taught us to pray by example. Not my will, but what? Thy will be done. That's, it's that simple. You're saying, God, your will, not mine. On the cross, old man, flesh. And then in Colossians and Ephesians, the tenses that are used, you have this emphasis that this old man's dead, but also being put to death. So guess what? You're not perfect yet. So when that little arm tries to get off the cross you stick it back on and say no i'm not doing that i'm not walking in that and if you fall short you say lord have mercy on me forgive me and give me strength to walk in the way that you want me to walk ephesians 6 18 says and do not get drunk with wine for that is dissipation or debauchery or licentiousness but be filled with the spirit we need to be empowered by the holy spirit and in Ephesians chapter 3, I love it because Paul prays that we might understand the height, the depth, the length, the width of God's love for us in Christ Jesus. He wants us to understand God's love because, you know, the Bible says God's kindness leads us to what? Repentance. So he wants you focused on the cross. He wants you focused on what God did for you. He wants you focused on his goodness. Why? Because that will motivate us. We love him, it says, because he what? Amen. He first loved us. So we realize, Wow. He really loves me. Wow, look what he went through for me. He made me and then he went through that for me? How could I be a crummy person? How could I treat my wife wrong? How could I treat my kids wrong? How could I treat my brothers and sisters wrong? How could I think of going astray after all that he's done for me? Amen? Now guess what? Judgment, judgment if you rebel against God hangs over you, the fear of the Lord's beginning of wisdom too. That's, that's important, right? But guess what? I'd love to get by. I'd love to just be, love him so much that I don't want to ever hurt him. Amen? But I love that I have both there. Because God's got these really wonderful ways of keeping us in line, amen? In case the enemy tries to deceive us or cause us to become cold in some way, God keeps our attention. 
we need, to, we need to pay attention though and hear his voice. It says, don't harden your hearts as they did in the wilderness. And they fell. So we need to be wise. So don't be drunk with wine, but for that is dispensation, but be filled with the Spirit. So when Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3, and he prays that the Father in heaven would help us to understand his great love for us, he goes on to say and pray that we'd be strengthened by the power of God, by his Spirit in the inner man. So it's important to pray, God, strengthen my inner person. Lead us not into temptation, amen? Deliver us from evil, Father. Help me not walk in the flesh, but help me walk in the spirit. Help me not give into the temptation to look at pornography. And what the point I was making with the sex trafficking videos we just put out to extricate and help people get saved that have been, ex- that have been held captive in that lifestyle, and th- but also for those who are making victims of them. And we point out that if you are looking at pornography, you are one of the perpetrators that's helping the sex trafficking trade because they use these people for porn, okay? And, you, and you're, you're, you're helping pad their, their pockets and allowing them to do more. And you're helping per, per, perpetuate and be your part of the problem. Not, not to mention, Jesus said, if you're lusting for a woman, right? Not your wife. You're committing adultery. That's serious stuff. So I encourage you to watch these videos. And we're going to do another part, at least one more part, which is going to have a lot of verses on how to overcome sexual temptation. But one of the ways you overcome just temptation in general you might say joe i have i'm praise god i'm strong in that area but i'm dealing with covetousness or i'm dealing with pride or i'm dealing with this or that the answer is still stay in god's word i've hid your word in my heart so i won't sin against you amen how can a young man keep his way but by keeping according to thy word young men you are strong because the word of god abides in you you've overcome the evil one stay in the word meditate on it day and night you'll be like a tree planted by the river amen that's one way you get victory over these these sins but another way as we're seeing pray jesus said so that you don't enter into temptation. Why? He says, because the flesh is weak. The spirit is willing, but the what? The flesh is weak. Because if you're not praying, you're going to give into the flesh. And I, I'm telling you right now, I've counseled a lot of people. And your walk is as strong as your prayer life, typically. Okay? And if you're not praying, you're going to be falling all over the place. You need to fear God. You need to pray. The Bible says to be devoted to pray, prayer and to pray without ceasing. Amen? And the scriptures say, brethren, we're not debtors to the flesh to live after the flesh. But if you through the Spirit do crucify the deeds of the body, you shall live. And as many as are led by the Spirit, these are the children of God. So it means to be led by the Spirit and to crucify the flesh. We're not debtors to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. Oh, no, I, I can't die. That's impossible. He's talking about spiritual life, by the way. Because that's when he goes on to say, but if you through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. As many as are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. He's talking about spiritual sonship when he's talking about death there. So you need to abide in Christ. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're a child of God. And you put the death, the deeds of the body, how? It says by the Holy Spirit. How do you do that by the Holy Spirit? You rely on the Holy Spirit. You read His Word. His words are inspired by the Spirit. You pray to the Father. He empowers you by the Spirit. I love Jude chapter 1, verse 21. Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life. I love that. But do you know what? He says before that in verse 20, but you, I love this too, just as much, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. You build yourself up in your faith in Christ and you become stronger and stronger as you pray in the Spirit. What does it mean to pray in the Spirit? It means to pray in accordance with the will of the Holy Spirit. Well, how do I know what the will of the Holy Spirit is? Come on, you have a perfect prayer. (laughs) Inspired by the Holy Spirit. Written scripture, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Amen. You pray his word. 
You pray in accordance with his word, amen? Lead us not to temptation, deliver us from evil. Are you with me tonight? There's victory waiting for us. Oh, what privileges we forfeit because we don't bring everything to God in prayer, amen? What needless pain we bear, right? That song goes on to say, by the way, have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Amen? You have anxiety. You, man, I'm going through a whole lot right now. I'm juggling a lot. It's just so much to face. I don't know how things are going to turn out. Well, the Bible says, and this is, by the way, a command again. Because in the Greek, it's an imperative. It's in the imperative in the Greek. It's in the command form. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So he commands us. It's an imperative, but he rejoins it, or he enjoins it to a promise. Verse 7, and the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You want peace instead of anxiety? Go to the Lord in prayer. Amen. Oh, what pain we are, you know. Go to the Lord in prayer, man. What peace there is in knowing Jesus, guys. That song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus, goes on to say, Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do thy friends despise, forsake thee? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms he'll take and shield thee. That will find a so- you will f- that will find a solace there. Amen? Beautiful song. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We have a Father in heaven. We need to take everything to him in prayer. A couple days ago, I mean, just think of what that means, guys. The creator of the universe is your Father. Isn't that awesome? You fathers, Jesus said, know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more, he says, will your Father in heaven give you good gifts? We have a Father in heaven that's, you can look at the best fathers you've ever known who love their kids, and it's just a drop in the ocean of the Father's love for you. That is so amazing. That is so amazing. One of my grandsons, Justice, came to me a few days ago, and Chad was sitting there on the couch, and they just got back from their Mexico trip, and and Justice comes out of my office. I didn't know he was in my office. He brings me my guitar. And he says in his cute little raspy voice, Pop, Pop, can you sing that, that, ho- that song about that homeless boy? And I'm like, or he said homeless guy. I'm like, homeless guy? I'm like, what are you talking about, man? And then I realized, oh, he's talking about the orphan. Because in one of the songs I wrote that I played, played for him and his little brother before is, uh, I was an orphan. It's just one of the lines. I had no place to go. You became my father. Made my heart your, heart your home. Oh, my Father, I thank you for choosing me as your own. And, and, I, and I love to sing that song because it's just so intimate. You know, I was an orphan, had no place to go. You became my Father, made my heart your home. And then I give him thanks because for choosing me. Oh, my Father, I thank you for choosing me as your own. That's scriptural. In John 14, verses 16 through 18, and then verse 23 says, Jesus says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever, that the spirit of truth whom, you can, uh, whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him, speaking of the Father, because he abides in you and, you will, be, and will be in you, or the Holy Spirit, I'm sorry, and he will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. 
Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and he will come to him and make, and we will come to him, the father and the son. And he already talked about the Holy Spirit being with us and then in us. And we will come to him and make our abode with him. Is that amazing? That the father lives in our hearts, amen? And that the father not only makes his home in our hearts, but that he is, Jesus is making home in, our, in his father's house for us forever in New Jerusalem, amen? Jesus said, do not let your, heart be, let your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, I would have told you. If I go to prepare a place for you, if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And you know where I'm going. And Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How do we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Amen. Jesus connects us with our Heavenly Father. Amen. Jesus is the one who says, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus is the one who told his disciples, and by extension, us, pray our Father. There's one mediator between God, the Father, and man, the man Christ Jesus, 1 Timothy 2.5. Jesus came to reveal the Father to us and reveal that we have a Father that loves us so much and that he wants us to have him as our Father and relate to him not only now but for all of eternity. And Jesus revealed the Father to us. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father so we might know what the Father's like. Amen. Hebrews chapter one says that Jesus is the express image of the Father's person. You want to know what the Father's like? Look at Jesus. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three persons sharing the same essence as God. He loves you. Guess what? We were all homeless, amen? Planet Earth is a planet of homeless people that need to know, their, need, they need to know that they have a Father if they will but call upon Him and be born again into His family, amen? And become children of God. John 1, 12 says, as many as received him, he gave the right to become the children of God. Amen? If you haven't received the Lord Jesus Christ, you need to receive him right now so you can become a child of God. And then you can pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Pray that prayer with me, will you please? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Brothers and sisters, can you commit to praying that prayer and making that part of your prayer life? I really want to encourage you in that. Not just once a day. Pray off and on throughout the day. Or, and just slow down sometimes and just take time and say, Our Father and just who art in heaven and think about how awesome and huge he is and how the heavens and the earth can't contain him and, and think about how his name is to be hallowed through us and the way we live our lives, amen? And the way we lift up our praises and the way we seek him in prayer and the way we talk about him to others and the way we, we show love to others. We show, uh, we show other people him by how we treat people, amen? It should show up in the way we live our lives. I love you guys. I want to keep going on, but I think we've received enough food for tonight, physically and spiritually, hopefully, amen. Hopefully you got filled twice. But uh, could we all please stand? 
We should probably try to have Bible studies here as long as we can before it gets too cold, huh? I think I'm loving it too. But uh, we love you guys, and we have an awesome God. And uh, You know what? If I had my guitar, I might sing that song with you guys, the orphan song, the homeless song. About the, the song about the homeless guy. Not the best singer, but I can get by. But you know what? I encourage you guys uh, to make sure you're, you have prayer partners. Make sure you pray with other people. Uh, even if it's just, you know, I, I, when I came over here and people were starting to assemble, maybe an hour before the service started, I saw a group over here praying together. I don't know what they're praying about. I was like, praise God. That's what it's about. Service is over. We have one of these fellowships where it's great because people just fellowship a long time and we don't kick you out. I mean, we might have to eventually if it's like three in the morning, you know, <laughs> or we just shut the door and say, hey, just keep, don't bug the neighbors, you know. And, uh, and by the way, hey, Mike, where's Mike Geyer? He's been working on our lights, electrician, but uh, so we get more light back here. But he, he got that gopher. There was a gopher that's making mounds. So I was cleaning up the backyard and I just pulled this trap out. That poor big gopher. But I was like, man, you caused a lot of damage, man. But anyway, he's gone. But uh, thanks, Mike, wherever you're at. But I love you guys. And let's give the Lord thanks. Let's give him a praise offering. Amen.